Morning, Rethink Life Church. You guys doing good today? Awesome. Give those that are watching us a round of applause as well and welcome them into our worship experience. We appreciate all of you and uh, looking forward to our time together. We just came off of a great service a few moments ago and today's going to be packed full of a lot of exciting things uh, when we wrap up our time here today. Uh, we really do hope you'll take advantage of bringing the family to join us uh, later at, at, our, at our Lake Nona campus. We're going to be having our family fun day and uh, costume carnival for the kids. We're going to have hay rides and, and uh, just all kinds of fun things for the kiddos and families. It'll be a great time just to fellowship, interact, and hang out and uh, enjoy some beautiful weather as well. Uh, it's going to be a great, great time together. And as you just witnessed there in the Rethink Life News, a lot of exciting things happening. Don't miss next week. I'm personally really excited to have my good friend uh, Lane Trans be uh, with us on Sunday. And I really look to him and lean on him a lot. He's really kind of a coach that speaks into my life about a lot of different things, especially as it relates to uh, the church and, and decisions and things of, regarding leadership. And he's just an amazing, amazing man of God. And I uh, can't wait for you to hear him. And then also, as you just witnessed, uh, at the movies, we literally spent the entire day yesterday uh, just putting the finishing touches on uh, the four specific uh, movies that we're going to be featuring at this year's At the Movies. And so it's going to be an easy invite. We really hope you'll take advantage of getting your friends here. And so it's going to be a great, great experience. Well, we've been in a series over the last few weeks that we have entitled Relationships Made Simple. And I think sometimes we have to just kind of go back and keep the main thing, the main thing in different areas of our lives, especially when it comes to our relationships. Because when you think about our relationships, uh, things like our friendships is so, so important. I think sometimes um, because of the challenges of our busyness, uh, and re related to our lives, that sometimes it's hard uh, to find the kind of friendships that, that I believe that really honor God and that God wants us to have uh, in our lives. And so we talked about the simplicity of those friendships and how to find the right friends and surround ourselves by the right kind of people. Uh, we also talked in week two uh, the importance of simplifying our marriage relationship. My wife and I both, uh, Michelle and I, uh, spoke into that uh, area of our relationships. And then last week we talked about the family life. And uh, especially if you're parents, we talked about relationships made simple with your kids. And today I'm wrapping it up, which, which really is kind of the... I mean, at the end of the day, it's all driven by this one relationship, and it's the relationship that we have with God. I think sometimes we overcomplicate our relationship with God. I know I'm guilty of doing that. I think um, when it comes to a lot of different areas in my life, I'll have to confess to you that I, I'm known for complicating things. I can take the most simplistic thing, and for whatever reason, I can make it extremely complicated, especially when it comes to technology. Can I get an amen? I mean, there's just some of that technology that, I don't know, it comes easy to some people. If you're a teenager, it comes really easy to them. Uh, teenagers, just, they just got their mind for it. I mean, it's just all they've ever known. But at the same time, uh, you can sit down and explain something to me when it comes to how to work an iPhone or how to figure out a new program on a computer. And I'm telling you, my eyes get glazed over. I soon just check out because it's so over my head. And it's kind of like that when it comes to just the most simple, simple, the simple most basic you know, areas of technology. For example, I had a Zoom call with a, um, with a gentleman uh, this past week, and uh, I, was, I was all worked up over it because I haven't really ever used Zoom. 
Some of you, if you've ever, you know, if you know what I'm talk, talking about in those Zoom calls, you know, um, so you got multiple people on the call. So I was, I was rehearsing it, I was practicing it, making sure I knew how to work it. Everything was all set, ready to go. And sure enough, when it was time to start the Zoom call, you know, I, I turned it on and boom, it came on. I was so excited. I was so relieved. It was like this mountain of weights taken off my shoulders. And so in this moment, I'm looking at the person and I was trying to be very respectful of their time because they kind of squeezed me in their schedule um, because I really needed to talk with this person. And so here, here they are looking at me. I'm looking at them. They're hearing me. And then all of a sudden, I'm not hearing them. And I'm thinking, and I'm looking at them in my screen. I said, can you hear me? And they're like, yes, I can hear you. But I'm not hearing them at all. And so all of a sudden, I go into this panic mode. Because again, I'm trying to be respectful of this person's time. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is happening? This is so like me. I'll mess it up every time. And then all of a sudden, I heard my son Luke. So I'm snapping my finger, trying to like get his attention, like to come over. And he didn't even, he didn't even look at the situation, didn't even ask me the question. He literally took a few steps over. He saw instantly what was going on. And here's what he did. He walked over. It walked off, and then boom, sound was on. I'm like, what in the world did he just do? So after the Zoom call is over, I, I, I get with Luke, I said, what did you do? What button did you push? He said, Dad, you had the dude muted. I was like, I didn't know that. I'm ashamed and embarrassed to even confess this to you publicly. It's going out to the whole world. But I'm telling you, we have a way of making something that should be very, very simple. So complicated, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. I don't know why, but I think for all of us, we just have this mindset that we have to do more, we have to be more in order for God to love us, accept us, give his approval of us. And so, again, we are on the side of trying to complicate something that God originally intended to be extremely simple. And so what happens is, is that a lot of times... We have a tendency to confuse or complicate the most basic and important area of life, and that is our relationship with God. And the reason why we've complicated things in our spiritual relationship with God is for one reason, one reason only, and it's because of our sin. You see, when God created you and me, this is so important you get this, when God created us, he created us for one reason, one reason only, and that is simply this. He created us so that he, could, so that he could love us and so that he could have a relationship with us. That's it. He created you and me so he could love us and have a relationship with us. And in the book of Genesis, when God created man and woman, and what did he do? He created a perfect world, a perfect environment. So God placed them in the middle of a garden. And he said, everything is at your disposal. It's all yours. You can do whatever you want to do. You can go wherever you want to go. Everything that I've provided is for you and for you to enjoy. But he said, all I'm going to ask that you not do is to, is to eat from the fruit of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good. And he said, don't eat from that tree. It's all I ask. Don't go there. If you do, you'll surely die. What did they do? They took something that should have been so simple and they complicated it by disobeying God. And as a result, sin entered into the world. 
And all of a sudden, the simplicity and the innocence and the purity and the openness and the transparency that Adam and Eve had with God was suddenly cut off. And it disappeared. Why? Because they complicated the simplicity of the relationship. They even went and hid. They were ashamed. They were in fear because of what they, what they had done. And so what did God do? God, once again, took something complicated now as a result of sin, and he simplified it. And he gave us his one and only son. God came to earth in the form of his son. And the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. God came to earth, Emmanuel, to become like you and me. He became one of us. And yet he lived sinless and pure and innocent. But he died, falsely accused. He died an innocent death. He took our sin, the Bible says, and he bore our sins on a cross. He was placed into a tomb. Three days later, he came back to life. Are you with me? And all of a sudden, because Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave, well, guess what? That means that our sin can be erased. That means we can be forgiven. That means that our relationship that we once had, that was cut off because of sin, has now been restored. Now we have the opportunity to reconnect. We have the opportunity to take what was complicated and simplify it once again. Listen, salvation is not something we do for God. No, salvation is something God has done for us. He took something complicated, the death, the suffering, the agony that Christ went through on the cross. He took something complicated and he made it simple so that all that you and I have to do is simply believe. Because the Bible says, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So the simplicity and the purity and the innocence of our relationship with God, once again, is so that we could have friendship with him. I love what the scripture says in Romans 5, verses 8 through 11. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by his death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ what he's done so that we have been made, so that he, we are made, he has made us friends of God. Isn't that incredible? To know that we literally can be friends with God. If you're taking notes today, I hope you'll jot down this key thought because it's so, so important. Our relationship with God is determined by our friendship with God. Our relationship with God is determined by our friendship with God. In other words, our relationship with God is determined by how much we know God. I, um, I love the, little, the, the story about the little boys that were kind of out on the playground and they kind of got into that moment where my dad's better than your dad, kind of a little competition. And so the, one of the little boys said, well, you know, well, my dad's better than your dad. My dad's more important than your dad. My dad, he's got more power than your dad. So a little boy spoke up and he said, no. He said, my dad's better than your dad's. My dad knows the mayor of our city. A little boy said, that ain't nothing. My dad, he knows the governor of our state. 
That little boy spoke up and he said, I got you guys beat. My dad knows the President of the United States. Another little boy spoke up and he said, that's all you guys got? Well, my dad knows God. You know, when you think about it, that's the greatest relationship of all. It's our relationship with God. And so today, here's what I want us to do. I want us to focus on what it really means to simplify our relationship with God. And I love the story. It's found in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 and 24. I'm going to read it. It says, when Enoch, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. Now, some of you maybe have heard the statement, maybe in the course of the conversation, somebody will reference somebody and say, man, that person, they're as old as Methuselah. What they're actually referring to is a Bible name, a Bible person by the name of Methuselah. Guess how old they were? 969 years old. Can you imagine blowing out that birthday cake with all those candles? Man alive, you'd need a fire hydrant, a fire water hose to spray that out. 969 years old. That's how old Methuselah was. And Enoch was 65 years old when he became the father of Methuselah. Well, after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God. In other words, his plans, his lifestyle, what he did and how he did it didn't change. He continued in his ordinary, everyday life, just like we all do, in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years. Notice carefully, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day, he disappeared because God took him. It's interesting. Several things I want to talk to you about that's so, so important when it comes to simplifying our relationship with God. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. And that is we have to prioritize our relationship with God above all else. If you really want to simplify your relationship with God, now think about this, you've got to prioritize your relationship with God above all else. Now we know that to be true. But at the end of the day, how many of us truly practice prioritizing our relationship with God above all else? Well, Enoch did that. And here's how we know. Because the Bible says that Enoch lived during a very unique time of creation. You know, when God created the heavens and the earth and created mankind, and as we stated a few moments ago, when, when, when God you know, put Adam and Eve in the earth, in, in the garden, and then, and then all of a sudden sin you know, covered the earth because of their disobedience. Well, God, over time, he began to realize that, you know, what did I do? I mean, I'm sorry that I even, I, you know, I even made mankind, I mean, because they, they messed it all up. What God intended to be pure and innocent and to have that relationship with, with, with man and woman because he made them so he could love them. I mean, that's what all he wanted to do. And then they messed it up and they made it complicated. So as a result, God eventually had a plan to wipe out the earth through a flood. He was going to start all over. And so during this season, during this period of time, if you will, in, in creation and history, before the flood, from the, from the fall of man... Before the flood, before the judgment came, this is when Enoch lived. And so 
in this season or in this time frame, what happened was is that things continued to get worse and worse spiritually and morally. I mean, the wheels came off. People were living for themselves. And people were, 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 became morally and, and, and spiritually, if you will, even without a conscience. In other words, they, they murdered one another, didn't even think twice about it. It's kind of like the horrific tragedy, you know, where we're, we're, we're still just kind of in shock and awe over the 11 people who lost their lives there in the synagogue there in, in Pittsburgh. And, you know, we, we, are, we, we, we are exposed to this stuff all the time. And we're thinking, how in the world, how, how wicked could man become? What's well, been like this forever? And sadly and unfortunately, according to the Bible in the New Testament, things will continue to get worse. Before the, Son of, before, before the Son of God returns, before, before the return of Christ, the Bible says that, that listen, that things will continue to, to, to demoralize. Things, spiritually speaking, things will continue to decay. Man will become more self-centered. There will be a lack of more spiritual consciousness. And as a result of that, sin will abound. And there will be a spirit of lawlessness all over the country. We're seeing that now more than ever. That's exactly what was going on during this time of Enoch. And yet, in light of everything going on negatively around him, the Bible says that he enjoyed a close fellowship with God. You know what that means? That means in spite of all the sin, in spite of the worldliness, in spite of the wheels off moral climate that he was living in, he prioritized his relationship with God above all else. And a lot of people ask the question, you know, the Bible says that God just, all of a sudden he disappeared. <laughs> what happened? God took him. Like, why did God took him? You know, the Enoch and and in Elijah are the only two people that never, never crossed, never went through death and crossed to the other side of eternity. God just instantly took them. It's fascinating. A lot of people say, well, reason for that is because Enoch was kind of a foreshadowing of what would be referred to in the New Testament as the rapture, the return of Christ. Why? Because before the return of Christ, before the rapture, rapture occurs, the wheels will be coming off spiritually and morally in our, in our world. And we're seeing it unfold before our very own eyes. And yet Enoch enjoyed this innocence in his relationship with God. And I think that ought to be our desire. In spite of everything going on around us negatively, we ought to be able to enjoy a close relationship and companionship and fellowship and friendship with God, because our relationship with God is determined by our friendship with God. So how do we do that? How do we do that? We have to prioritize our relationship with God above all else. Let me simplify it for you even more. Write this down. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, the two single most important things you can do is to know God more and to love God better. That's it. Let me put it to you this way. If you achieve the highest level of success by the world's standards are concerned, 
I mean, you got it going on. You have, you have conquered virtually every goal. You have fulfilled every ambition. You have accomplished everything. You have made a name for yourself. You have established an incredible, incredible reputation of success by the world standards are concerned. And yet, through all of that, you fell to know God more and to love God better. You have failed in life. On the flip side of that, if tomorrow morning you go to work, if you're a student, you go to school, and all of a sudden your day is encountered with sudden moments of unexpected crisis, and you have setback after setback and challenge after challenge, and yet through the horrific day that you might encounter, if at the end of the day, through that unfortunate set of circumstances, somehow, way, through it all, you learn how to know God more and to love God better, your day was considered a phenomenal success. So think about it. Simplifying your relationship with God is all about knowing God more and loving God better and walking in close fellowship with Him. There is a purity. There is an innocence. There is a friendship that you enjoy because you have open communication and openness between you and God. And I think it's so vitally, vitally important. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus made, it, made a statement and He said it this way. He said, Seek the kingdom of of God above all else and live righteously and what? Well, here's the promise, and he will give you everything you need. Well, we do just the opposite. We chase after all the things we need and want, and then if there's time left over, what do we do? Then we might go to church. Then we might do something spiritual. When God says, no, if you'll just pursue me, if you'll just walk with me, if you will just get to know me, if you will just love me better, if you'll know me more, if you will just keep our relationship simple, if you will just seek me before anything else, before everybody else, if you will seek me above all else, put me first, just live faithfully. God has promises that he will take care of you, he'll meet your needs, he'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm telling you, that is a promise he's given to us. For some reason, we mess it all. We complicate what God has intended to be simple. Jesus, as we all know, was one who just had this incredible relationship with God. But at the end of the day, he was God, but yet he lived like you and me. And so even though he lived in a fallen world, he still enjoyed that close relationship with his father. I love what James 4.8 says. James 4.8 says it like this. I love in the, in the Passion Translation. It says, move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. So if you ever feel as though you are disconnected or somewhat maybe, maybe isolated from God, if God feels far away to you, here's what you need to remind yourself with. If for some reason God feels distant to you, Guess who moved? You, me, we did. God's right where he's always been. And so we're the ones who drift. We're the ones who get distracted. We're the ones who stray away. And the reason why is because we have not prioritized him above all else. 
Exodus 34, verse 14 says it this way. For you must worship no other G's, little G's, no other gods. You must not worship anything else, any hobby, any recreation, any activity, any sport, any job, any person. You must not, what does the Bible say? You must not worship any other gods because anything that comes between you and God is what? It's an idol. So don't worship anything else. Don't let anything interfere or stand in between you and God. But only Jehovah, for he is a God who claims absolute loyalty and exclusive devotion. In other words, he's a jealous God. Why, he made you for his purpose. He made you so he could, so he could have a relationship with you, so he could love you. And our response is to know him more and to love him better. At the end of the day, you and I, I'll throw myself into this category. We are as close to God as we, you, me, choose to be. That's it. So to simplify it, we got to prioritize our relationship with God above all else. Number two, we have to pause daily to spend time with God. When Michelle and I got married, it's hard to believe, over 27 years ago, we went to Maui, Hawaii, for our honeymoon. And we stayed at a, uh, on the side of the island where there's a famous uh, snorkeling spot, uh, it's a former volcano crater, and it's called uh, Molokini. And so people from all over come, and they snorkel, and it's beautiful, beautiful waters. And so they take you out on this boat, and you're, you know, you're, you're snorkeling, and you know, it's literally like swimming in an aquarium. <laughs> it's incredible. But before you go snorkeling, when you get out there, the instructor, your guide, kind of walks you through a checklist, and he's prioritizing things for you. And what he's doing is he's walking you through uh, something that they refer to as check-in or check-out. And what that means is, is that every 15 minutes, as you have your head down, as you are face down, you're to pop your head up out of the water, and you're to check in. And the reason why it's important to check in is because it's so easy to get so caught up and distracted by the beauty and the nature and just the, just the world under the water. You can get so caught up into that. If you're not careful, you literally can drift. In other words, the ocean current can, can cause you to drift further out to sea to the point where you check out. So to avoid checking out, you've got to check in every 15 minutes. The same is true in our spiritual relationship with God. God wants us to check in with him. God wants us to pause, push pause, time out, so that we can prioritize our relationship with him. Because if we do not pause and we do not prioritize our time with him, I promise you, we will drift and we eventually will check out. I see it all the time. As pastors, as a pastor, I, I, I can see it. I watch it almost to the calendar date of when, when families reach a certain window. I watch it. I see it. And it breaks my heart. They suddenly check out. And the reason why is because they drift. They got their heads down because now all of a sudden they have become consumed by everything else going on in their world to where over time, they check out. And they can have the best of intentions. But the busyness of their lives 
and the hectic, crazy calendars of their commitments causes them to drift to the point of checking out. And that's the reason why Jesus did something that we ought to do. Every day, every day, got to push pause. And here's what we got to do. We got to spend time with God. Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 37, says these words. The next morning, Jesus got up long before daylight. He left the house while it was dark and made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer. And then notice what happened. Later, Simon and his friends searched for him. And when they finally tracked him down, they told him, everyone is looking for you. They want you. Sound familiar? Hey, if you're a parent, guess what? Mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, they're needing you. They're looking for you. They're, tra- you're, they're tracing you down. They, they need your time. They need your attention. You go to work. People, they're looking for you. They're tracking you down. They want you. Man, your phone is blowing up before 8 o'clock. People texting you, needing you, wanting you. Hey, can you call me as soon as you get to work? Hey, I haven't heard from you. Reply to that email I sent you. I sent you something like 10 minutes ago. I haven't heard from you. I need you. I want you. They're tracking you down. And before you realize it, you are now, you are accommodating. You are reacting. You are living your life on the defense. Why? Because you didn't start your day on the offense. Of owning your day, of saying, oh, above all else, I'm gonna prioritize my relationship with God. And the only way I can do that is to push pause, to check in so that I don't check out. That's what we have to do every single day. The Bible says in Psalm 46, verse 10, surrender your anxiety. When everybody's coming after you, hey, I need you, I want you, I need this, I need that. That causes stress. So we have to what? Surrender your anxiety, the psalm says. Be silent and stop your striving. Turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, stop your striving. And you will see that I am God. It's so, so, so important. I'm gonna give you something real quick, real, real quick. If I, if, if, if I could just sit down across a table over coffee, and you were to ask me, Rodney, how do I just, how do I make this work? How do I pause and how do I prioritize my relationship with God? How do I really get to know him more and love him better? How do I do that? Here's what I, do, here's what I, here's what I tell you. I would say, get a journal, get a pen, go old school. Just pen, paper, journal, and get a Bible that you can read, that's easy to understand. Listen, as much as we love Grandma and the Bible that was passed down to you, not to be dishonoring, disrespectful, but you know, it may not be the most practical Bible for you to use in your daily time with God. Put Grandma's Bible in a place where you can honor that, respect that, and cherish that, but get your own Bible you can mess up a little bit, and you can ruffle the pages, you can mark some stuff up in it and make it all messy, okay? Because that's what it's used for. But get you a Bible. I recommend something like the New Living Translation. Sometimes I read multiple translations just so I can kind of get a different perspective in the inside of what I'm reading. And I, I love what the, the brand new translations has come out. So far, they only have the New Testament version, Psalms, Proverbs, and the New Testament, but it's called the Passion Translation. 
um, they're, they're eventually working on the Old Testament, um, the, the Passion Translation. They'll be coming out soon. But the point is, is that get a Bible is easy to, to read, understand. I even recommend the, the message. It's a paraphrased version, but still, it's just it's written in everyday language. But just get a Bible that you are comfortable with, you can read and understand. But get your journal, get your pen, get your Bible. And then each and every day, you should use the soap that helps you in your innocence with God, in your time with God. Soap simply stands for Scripture. The S in soap stands for Scripture. So you read your Scripture, read your verses, read that passage. And one of the things that I do is I get a, uh, a one-year Bible that already has a built-in reading plan. So you can go to our app, you can go to Version. There's an endless, endless number of Bible reading plans that you can follow. It kind of gives you a guide. But start with the scripture. The O stands for observation. So as you're, as you're reading your verse, you write in your journal, I'm reading this today, and then you observe. You're, you're, it's the observation. What are you doing? When you're observing what you're reading, you're simply asking the who, what, when, where, how. And you're just processing that. You're observing what the Bible is actually saying, what God is saying to you. And the A in SOAP simply stands for application. So at the, big, at the big idea is, okay, well, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to my marriage? How does this apply to the decisions I need to make? How does this apply to my relationships? How do I, how do I apply this in my, in my reality? And the P stands for pray, and then you just pray. God speaks to us through his word, and then we speak to God through prayer. Guys, we overcomplicate it, but keep it simple. Simplify your relationship with God. And how you do that is by pausing. You have to spend, and you don't have to spend, listen, hours. Listen, just spend a few minutes so you can know God more and learn to love him better. That's it. That's why he placed you on this planet, so that he could love you and have a relationship with you. And he wants you to know him so you can love him more, love him better. When my brother led me to Christ, he took a pen and he wrote in the front flap of my Bible. And he wrote these words. He said, Rodney, the Bible will keep you away from the devil. And the devil will keep you away from the Bible. I've learned that to be true. So we have to prioritize our relationship with God above all else. We have to pause daily to spend time with God. And then lastly, we have to practice his presence at all times. That's it. We have to practice his presence at all times. A great man of God who influenced my life in a tremendous way. He's a pastor. He's now with the Lord. He's in heaven. And uh, I had the privilege of speaking for him on a couple of occasions at his church that he started in Houston, Texas. He was one of the most um, godly, innocent, and gentle people I'd ever been around. He just had an unusual demeanor about him. I literally had been in his home and had had dinner with his family, incredible family, but there was just something about him. He wasn't a big charismatic personality. And I mean, he was, he kind of flew under the radar, very unassuming. But I'm telling you, this guy walked with God. There was just an innocence about him. There was something about his heart. There was a tenderness and a gentleness about him that just was so unique. It just, I was drawn to him. And one day, 
he and I had breakfast. I spoke with him on Sunday for his church on Sunday, and on Monday we had breakfast, and I just wanted to pick his brain. And I literally took a yellow pad and my pen, and I was getting ready to write down these profound, like deep theological truths and one-liners. I knew he was probably going to throw at me. And so over coffee, I'll never forget, we were at a Denny's, and we wrapped up breakfast, and I just said, I said, Brother John, I said, what is it about your relationship with God? I said, what have, how have you learned how to live your life in the victory that you seem to live your life in? And I literally thought he was going to give me like 10 things I needed to do. And here's what he said. And just in his gentle voice, he just practice his presence. I said, do what? He said, just practice his presence. I said, that's it? Just practice his presence? Practice his presence. He said, do it every day, all the time. Just practice his presence. He said, when you get up, just practice his presence. When you go to work, just practice his presence. When you're driving down the road, just practice his presence. When you're in a meeting, just practice his presence. When you're around other people, just practice his presence. When you're in the middle of making significant decisions, just practice his presence. Just practice his presence at all times. It's the simplicity, it's the innocence of our relationship with God. And I just want to say this. Because in Philippians 3.10, that was Paul's heart. He said, and I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. The good news is, as a four followers of Jesus Christ, guess what? God's presence is in us. His power is available to us. His power, his resurrection power is unavailable to us. His power is in us. And you remember what Joshua, what God told Joshua? What did he say? He said, and remember, I will be with you wherever you go. Listen, that's why we can practice his presence. No matter what, we can practice his presence. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to do that very thing. Just practice his presence at all times and enjoy that close fellowship with him, that relationship, that friendship with God. Remember, your relationship with God is determined by your friendship with God, by your closeness with God. Because our goal is to know him more and to love him better. That's it. Now I want to close this out by saying two things to two groups of people in this room. There are some of you here today, and I want to remind you about practicing his presence at all times because some of you right now, you're going through some difficult times. In other words, you're in trouble. You're in trouble with your health. You're in trouble with your finances. You're in trouble in a relationship. You're in, you're in trouble about some business situations and circumstances you're facing. You're in trouble related to some things going on, maybe mentally, emotionally, spiritually in your life. You are at a place where you feel like you cannot carry the load. You cannot deal with the intensity of the stress and the magnitude of everything that's at You are at a place where you can't do it alone. And God wants you to remember 
to practice his presence at all times. In good times and bad times, in the highs and the lows. Remember, we are as close to God as we choose to be. So we've got to move our heart toward him and invite him into our troubled situation. Invite him into our circumstances. Invite him into our financial situation. Invite him into our health situation. Invite him into our broken relationships. Invite him into whatever trouble you're facing in your life. And the second group of people are for those who, for whatever reason, have drifted and you've checked out. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to check back in. You check back in. And here's what the Bible says in Jeremiah. In fact, let me read two verses. Psalm 91, verse 14. This is for those of you who are in trouble. If you hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. And I'll give you the best of care if, here's the condition, you will only get to know and trust me. That's it. So know him more, love him better. God will help you through the situations you're facing. And for those of you that have drifted away, you've checked out, Jeremiah 15, verse 19 says it this way. This is the Lord's response. If you will return to me, I will, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You, listen, you must influence them. Do not let them influence you. You know what he was saying? God's children had drifted. They had they checked out. Why? Because they had pursued other gods, false gods. And as a result, their affection towards them had become their priority and their focus. And God says, if you'll just get rid of those, rather than them influencing you, if you will come back to me, if you'll return to me, I will restore you. And not only will I restore you, but I want you to have influence over them. God has called us to be light in the midst of darkness. And like Enoch, we're living in desperate times. But even in the midst of these desperate, dark times in our lives, I promise you, we can enjoy a close relationship with God. We can enjoy the friendship with God. And how do we do it? By prioritizing Him over, over everything above all else. Pausing, just pausing our lives, spending time with him. And the greatest single thing we can do is simply practice his presence. Know him more, love him better. That's the simplicity of our relationship with God. Amen? Let's bow our heads together in prayer.